just want to acknowledge that it's very complicated to th- those questions of like, is this serve you? Does this, because it's not just the item. It's, it's all of the memories attached to it. Yeah. Like I, I kept items like the dress that I wore to my bridal shower. Does that fit me? No. Am I going to wear it again? Absolutely not. But I'm still going to hold on to it because it had sentimental value to me. Welcome to the ADHD Lounge Podcast. Whether you are someone with ADHD or a learning disability or just curious to learn more, come hang out with us in the lounge. I'm Alex. I was diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD at the age of eight, and I am the founder of Capable Consulting. And I'm Katie, founder of Women and ADHD and host of the popular Women and ADHD podcast. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45. You can also find the two of us over at the ADHDlounge.com, our all-in-one ADHD coaching community. In each episode, we'll be diving deep into the world of ADHD, discussing unique challenges, sharing our personal stories, providing support and resources, and bringing in experts to help us along the way. So grab your favorite drink, maybe a croissant, grab a seat, or start walking or cleaning or however you listen, because at the ADHD Lounge, you can come exactly as you are. Hi, Alex. And right as we went to start to record, I started to cough. Of course. I couldn't tell if you were coughing or yawning. No, it was a cough. All right. Well, we are back. Thank you for joining us. We are back with episode 10, we think. We're pretty sure this is episode 10. Uh, This is a follow-up where Alex and I talk about the episode that we just recorded with Kayleen Kelly. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I highly recommend you go back and listen to episode 9 with Kayleen Kelly on decluttering. She is phenomenal and left us just with so many aha moments. And so, yeah, so we're back together to talk about our own experiences with decluttering and and cleaning and ADHD. You also failed to mention that we were both like, her voice is so soothing. So you know what? <laughs> if you want to go back and listen to that episode, because you haven't, it, it, it was, that's what you should listen to while you're decluttering. It was so great. Yes. Good point. If you listen to the episode, you know, or if you follow Kayleen on Kelly, if you're one of the almost a million followers that she has on TikTok, you'll know that she has the core four method, which we talked about in the episode. So it's four C's and it involves the first C is clear out. So it's just taking all the large objects out and and giving yourself space to start sorting, right? That's the clear out. Yes. And the second one was categorizing and figuring out what goes with what. And then it was the cutout piece where you start to realize, oh, I have like four different spatulas that I do not need. They can go. Um, Yes, the purging of items. And then the final one is contain, which is really about finding a place for everything, right? The old adage that everything needs a place, there's a place for everything and everything needs a place. It also reminds me of, I don't know if you've seen those videos that are like, don't put it down, put it away. Don't put it down, put it away. But a lot of times I feel like people put it down because it doesn't have a place that's away that you can also see (laughs) because a lot of the times we all struggle with this like out of sight out of mind it's like sure you could put it down which I see or I can put it away which I don't see but even if I put it away it doesn't really have a place so it's gone 
Right? I know, exactly. And I was talking about that with the piles, like my piles of paper on my desk, where if I file it away, it's gone. I can't, filing systems don't work for me in that. I mean, they do generally. I'm glad I have a folder for, you know, my old documents and stuff, and I know where to find things. But for the most part, I have piles of the like deal with this immediately pile. And then next to that is the deal with this seriously right now before the immediate pile. And like, it just keeps getting more, you know, closer to my line of vision that don't forget about this. You have to deal with this seriously right now pile. And I'm like, I can't put those away. Like those don't really have a place yet. So a lot of this has to do with that urgency sense too, right? Which is like not being able to prioritize. You also could put stuff in your face that's like, I need to do this immediately, but then it becomes furniture. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Exactly. I will like put piles up the edge of my bed. I'm like, okay, no, seriously, like you need to put this away. And then I'm like, oh, it fell off the bed. I'm just going to step over it. Right. Instead of actually like putting it away. But yeah, I think like finding, I, I what I really liked about this method was it was so friendly for ADHD and so non-judgmental for yourself. And I feel like a lot of people that I talk to, and I'm sure you feel this way as well, is that people are like, my home is such a mess. My desk is such a mess. My car is such a mess. What's wrong with me? And they just like beat themselves up for the fact that it is not aesthetically pleasing as if having this perfect rainbow colored organization in your kitchen is the only way to organize and declutter. And that's not realistic. It wasn't realistic before I had kids. Like now after having a kid, it is certainly not. So I'm curious, like, where are are you seeing that with your clients of that, like self-sabotage before we even start? Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Right. And I feel like that's like one of my big questions is similar to what Brie had talked about earlier, which was that like really saying like, who says so, right? Why is this important? Where is the should in this? Like, are you just, are you just beating yourself up over this idea? And I think it gets really complicated with clutter because with ADHD, we know we need simplicity and, and minimalism, right? It's like, we, I work best in a minimalist environment. It's just really difficult for me to keep a minimalist environment. Right. Oh my God. It's, the dichotomy. It's like continuously back and forth on that exact moment. I I know exactly how you're feeling. And that's why I feel like it's really helpful for me to have like manageable spaces. So like for me, my office space is one of those places that I try to keep as manageable as possible because it's where I spend the most time. But I don't give a crap about what my bedroom looks like because nobody's going to be in there, right? Until the cleaners come and then I have to pick things up off the floor if I want it cleaned. So. Oh my God, I start cleaning frantically before the cleaners come like every time it's like embarrassing how much I have to put away I'm like but I needed that urgency otherwise it wasn't going to happen the other thing that I keep thinking about is this I say this to my husband all the time when it comes to like cleaning I'm like oh the apartment is a mess and it's like I see this all as one problem as opposed to let's take this section by section, or let's find ways to make that digestible and contain what you were saying, like the living room or like the kitchen, the universal spaces mattered to you more than your bedroom, but you wanted that space to be clear in order for you to think. 
I mean, like the other day, my daughter was home with RSV. So if you haven't noticed, I sound terrible, probably because she gave it to me. But she's newly walking and she has now discovered that she can go anywhere she'd like. So she has taken her shoes and has moved them into all different rooms. She has taken, I, I don't even know places that I have found toys that do not belong. And it took me an hour to get out the door because I couldn't find one of her shoes, which she put in my husband's hiking backpack, which by the way, they did not go hiking. So like how it ended up there was crazy. So as soon as she went back to daycare, I was like, oh my goodness. Like I have to, I have to put things back. I have to declutter. I have, I can't physically do this. And so that was one of those moments where I actually did feel like I needed to do all of the rooms at the exact same time. And I was like, I should have put a camera on me because I was like darting from, it was like, okay, here's garbage. Okay. I'm going that way. Here's the laundry. I have to put it back in this room. And I just turned myself into like a tizzy, but I put on a soundtrack and I was like, you have 30 minutes do whatever you can in 30 minutes and whatever happens after that, like you can do it later. Also the same day I used our body doubling session in our ADHD lounge and finished the rest, which was so helpful. I was laughing on the call. I was like, you guys, I put away my laundry. I put away the dishes. I put away the shoes. I sorted my coats. I was like, this was amazing. Nice plug for our body doubling. Good point. I am so productive during those sessions. Um, I love it. I love it. And I talk about that with clients too, how it's really just parking something too. Like that's the other thing I love about body doubling is that if I say I'm going to do this thing at this time where the body doubling session is, then it's not going to bother me until that time. It's like it stops hovering around my head. And there's so many of those things that hover around our head all the time because they don't like have a place. And so one of the things I like about body doubling is I can kind of say, well, that I'm going to deal with it during that hour. And then it doesn't bother me anymore until that hour. Right. We've just like pushed off. And I think that that's where a lot of the decluttering came for me too, is that we were talking about this with Kayleen. It's like the idea of having someone with you is always so much better. You kept pointing this out too. You're like, I love to have somebody in my space to remind me what I can start on or just do it side by side. So I feel like I'm not alone. And I think it would be so awesome if people were wanting to do these decluttering together, like using the lounge to say, like, does anyone have space or time to declutter a space and not really necessarily your whole home. It's really picking one space at a time. And I found that to be so helpful for me. I tackled my closet on a different body doubling session. I've used those body doubling session for a lot more decluttering than I realized as I'm talking. (laughs) But I went through my closet and my closet has so many clothes that are from 2019, you know, pre-pandemic of a life that I don't live anymore, you know, pre-child too. It's like, I just was looking at a closet full of stuff that just didn't feel like me anymore. And I have my music, I have other people holding me accountable to do it. And I went through three garbage bags full of stuff that I got rid of to donate. And that was so so exciting. I can actually walk in my closet and see everything, which was also very important for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, and I think, like you said, it's, we tend to get really overwhelmed by the bigness of jobs, right? Like, 
it, it can be really helpful to break things down. And so we hear that a lot as advice for people with ADHD, break it down into smaller steps. But oftentimes that's really hard for us to just do in the moment on our own. And so there is something about the body doubling, the intentionality of being there and just saying like, there's only, you know, what can I get done in an hour? So it, it forces us to make the job smaller. Like when we were doing the decluttering challenge earlier in the summer, one of the things I really liked about the weekly challenge was that it forced me to pick one small space to zone in on because otherwise I was like, Oh God, my whole house, where do I even begin? So I was just like randomly picked one. Cause I was like the other things I'll just do next week. And it really like, I liked looking at my spaces in that way of like looking at those spaces in uh, isolated as opposed to just being like, Oh God, there's so much. I don't even know where to begin. So I'm just going to lie in the fetal position. That and like one of the things that Kayleen also did is now that you've done one section at a time and you stop beating yourself up over like the desk being a mask and now you're actually doing it. Why I think her method was so special for people with ADHD was this non-judgmental piece, which was she does a three second rule where if it takes you more than three seconds to make the decision, you keep it. And it was like, you keep it. I like no one's no one's making me throw this away. And she was talking about how people usually start with the things that they're like, no, 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 I can't throw away all of this stuff. I can't donate it. She's like, don't start with that. You start with the things that are like, let's start with the trash. Let's start with the things that are the low hanging fruit of, you know, this doesn't belong here anymore. This doesn't belong in your space. Like, let's take it out. And I think that a lot of people with ADHD really struggle with getting rid of things. And as much, we, we are just like constantly butting heads with our own self-concept of like, we want it clean and decluttered, but we also don't want to get rid of all this stuff that gives us comfort. And I thought that that was really unique. It's like, we're, she's not judging you and you shouldn't judge yourself in terms of like what you're getting rid of. Yeah, right. Well, and I feel like we get so wrapped up in the fact that there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. And yeah, I really, I really appreciated the fact that she was had that re- refreshing approach, which is like, look, if that's, that's not going to work for you, it's not going to work for you. There's this idea that people with ADHD can't organize, which I find so frustrating, because I'm like, you can organize, but your organizing for you is different than someone who's neurotypical, who's organizing for everything else. Like you have a method that works for you. And so it's like, what matters most to you? What is your priority? So if you're trying to get to that contain part, it's like, okay, is the visualization part for you most important of like what you have out? Or is it having clear bins so that you know where things go? Do you have a space for that like miscellaneous thing? You know how you think. And I will prove it to you by saying to you, how do you look at your phone? What are your like top four on the top of your phone and the bottom? I'm saying this because I have an iPhone and I, I know Katie has an iPhone. So like the top four icons that you use and the bottom four. Those are your prime real estate, your top priorities. Are those the four things that you use the most? Hmm. Or if it's not, like, how can you change it so that the things that you're putting there are the things you use the most? Do you think of 
your folders as folders that they go by categories or do you go by pages? Do you go by colors? Do you like you are you are using your phone every single day and it's organized to how you think. So dissect it. That is such a great analogy and example because it's true. Like not only does our not only is our phone completely organized in a way that works for us such that if the apps get moved around you're just like can't function anymore. But it's like a testament to if you pick up somebody else's phone and their apps are not in the same place, you're just like, this makes no sense. Why would you do that? (laughs) That's such a great example. Right. My sister made fun of me because I put Instagram in a camera folder. And she was like, why isn't it in social media? It's social media. I'm like, but it's a camera. And she was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I was like, okay, well, honestly, it's not for you. It's for me. So whatever. That's where it goes. I know where it goes. It feels good to me that it's there. I love that. Yeah. And it's right. Exactly. It's like, it's what works for you. So let's eliminate this idea that there's any other way that's the better way in terms of how you live your life. And also, if you're thinking about it, one of the ways that it can be really hard as you're thinking about this idea of organizing and decluttering is that when you live with other people or you work with other people and they organize and declutter differently than you, how do you find ways to really communicate what your needs are through this process of decluttering? Like, I feel like anyone who's going to use these methods, like Kayleen does of her, you know, her core four or her three second rule of eliminating things. And then you're categorizing in a way that's meant for you. How do you talk to people about how do you categorize it? I, you know what? We actually talked about this, I realized, in our last conversations with Stephen. With, about relationships? Oh, because of the, about the piles? Yeah, we were talking about piles and we were talking about the shoes and everything else and how to like create those methods that really work for everybody, which is really hard. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I think not only not only the day to day methods, you know, in terms of like living with other people in your home and having to, you know, butt up against each other in terms of what you how you prefer things like I, you know, my husband, when we first moved in together, all of our fights were either, well, all of our fights were about the temperature of the house, but (laughs) we always had, you know, he was very much, he doesn't like clutter. And so he's the kind of guy who just grabs things and he's happy to shove them in a closet. And I'm like, how dare you? That was all organized in a way that I was going to put that away at some point. And he was like, no, you weren't, you weren't going to put it away. And I was like, I want, you know, we constantly had these back and forth because I felt like when he would shove everything in a closet, it was gone, right? It was like, it didn't exist for me anymore. And it was really frustrating to me. And I had to, honestly, I had to let go and admit that I was not ever going to put those things away. (laughs) And that was a big like leap for me where I was like, okay, we need to meet each other in the middle in terms of like, I appreciate the fact that you don't want the clutter and you want it away. And so I just want a heads up which is like, if you tell me you're done 
and you need this room clean, just tell me and I will deal with it in the way I need to deal with it. And so that's what we do now. He's like, he communicates more where he's like, I'm done. This is bothering me. And then I'm like, okay, there I go. Like now the countdown begins. And it's actually kind of good because now it gives me a little bit of urgency. It gives me a little structure. It gives me somebody to focus on, which is my husband's happiness, right? So I'm like, it actually motivates me to actually do that thing I've been meaning to do. Because like you said, it becomes invisible really quickly. And so it just takes a little bit of that communication that I find has been really helpful for us. I I think that's awesome. I would actually say mine had more to do with, I don't know where to start sometimes, where I'll, I'll stand in the middle of the living room and say, oh, we need to clean the apartment. It's too cluttered. And, and my husband will look at me and be like, so you need me to start? I'm like, yeah. So it's like, we, he knows, like, if I start, like, getting frantic and anxious, that that's what it means. And he's like, okay, we either do it then, because I need that urgency, or he's like, okay, let's find a time and we're going to do this and we'll tag team and he'll take one area, I'll take the other. And also, he, <laughs> no, I'm just remembering. So we've been together a long time, but when we were living in the city, we had 550 square feet for the two of us, and we lived there for almost 10 years. So um, that place was very cluttered, and he would he would not only make this a game, he would find the most random things he could find in the apartment as he was cleaning up and start to wear them. So he, like, found a belt, and he would, like, put it on his head, and he would find, like, shorts, and he would put it over his pants, and he was like... This is like, why were these things all over the place? So every time I looked over, it was like, it was so ridiculous. And it was like, how do we get here? But also, this is way more fun. I was just going to say, it reminds me of the P in pinch for, for play, which is like making a, you know, creating a character out of this or pretending, you know, that's really funny. I like that a lot. Yeah, I, this is where I'm going to date myself to being like a Nickelodeon kid in like the 2000s or late 90s. Um, he once had so many items that he turned himself into Quail Man from Doug. He's probably going to like kill me for this. But it was like, we had so much fun decluttering. And I think that that's also what I wanted to get to. It's like, I I want you to be able to like laugh through this and and not be holding yourself to a standard that is so unrealistic, but really playful. Like, this is for you. This is essentially like this comes down to you. What do you need? And when we make these tasks fun, they're not as overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're not doing it alone. And I think we, we underestimate how social we are with ADHD when it comes to how much we need a person, a pairing, right? That, that person who's going to get us out of paralysis who's going to get us moving and also you know it's more fun usually hopefully <laughs> hopefully i um i got really motivated though from this whole conversation with kayleen and i tried to make it fun i tried to do a lot of different things and i have decluttered a lot of spaces and even i i know we talked about this too but it's reminding me that i have made made this joke before that Marie Kondo is a parent of three now and no longer organizes. And this was like what she made her career out of. So like, please be kind to yourself. The world's most profound, like 
declutter organizational person doesn't even organize anymore. So that says something. But she does something where she says, I want to thank the item. And I think letting go of some of the old pieces, I think is what makes some of this so overwhelming is because you don't want to bring things up where you don't want to see items again, because it brings up memories or it's overwhelming to really open that closet and see who you maybe were or where you wanted to be. I don't know. There could be a lot of loaded feelings with that. And um, it was really important for me to also do that as I was decluttering to say like, thank you to some of these items. And it felt really, really, really good to let go. And I think I actually let go of more because I was able to say like, thank you for this. This is no longer fitting me anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like that mentality. And I feel like I've had to come to that place with a lot of like old mementos as I get older, right? Where I'm like, <laughs> as I age, there's a lot of things where that are in my attic where I'm like, why am I holding on to this? Why am I keeping this? And I have started to let go of a lot of like, my, you know, like, like, college essays and and letters like all of these letters that my friends and I wrote back to back and forth to each other and like a lot of those things that really bring up a lot of emotion in me when I see them I love the memory of them but I kind of have to let go of the fact that maybe I won't ever remember this moment again if I throw them out and that's okay too right yeah like it doesn't make it any less meaningful. And I think that that can be really difficult for us. And, and um, one of the things that, that I, I'm going to make you put your coaching hat on for a second, uh, because I feel like one of the, one of the issues I have a lot of the time with my daughter is, and I think I talked about this on the Kayleen episode, but like my parents were hoarders, my father, especially it was really difficult being the child of a hoarder. And so in, in response to my father's hoarding, I am the opposite. I am a purger. I am a throw it out. If I ever need it again, I'll buy it again kind of person because that's how I deal with that. I'm just like, it needs to go. So I don't even do a three second rule. I'm just like, nope, out, gone. Like I don't want it. And I get a lot of joy out of purging, et cetera. So my daughter is now the opposite. It's like, it's like skips a generation. And she, we have a lot of conversations uh, about my wastefulness, right? Because she feels like that attitude is not environmentally friendly and that you should hold on to things because why would you, you know, she talks a lot about like fast fashion and, and, you know, why would you be so wasteful to throw these things away if you could use them again? And, and I don't, I mean, for me at the end of the day, I'm just sort of like, well, it's how I, I need to do that for my mental health, right? <laughs> like this is how I've chosen to live. And at the end of the day, I take into consideration the environment with so much of my life that this is one place I have to let go in order to find this balance. But it's a conversation we have a lot. And I think that it's comes up a lot for me with clients and, and clutter, which is I'm going to need this someday, or like, I can't get rid of this. Right. Or, or, or even like, I need to find a place to donate this to, right? This idea that I need to find it a home as opposed to just throwing it out. And I'm so I'm curious what your thoughts are on, on that. I think I go through this conversation weekly with my clients. I go through this conversation with my husband because I'm like you. I would rather purge than keep. And I'm also in the camp of like, I like to 
if I need it again, I will find it, especially because if I put it away, quote unquote, then I never see it again. And to me, I end up buying it again anyway, because I forgot it was there. So <laughs> I, I, I just feel like I need to be as honest as I can when it comes to this, that I am likely a little biased. However, when it comes to having these conversations with clients about how do you really find that balance of items worth keeping that are, you know, worth saving, items that are worth donating to, or like finding homes for it in some way, there's a couple ways about it. I would say, I would also think of Kayleen's piece of like categorizing it. Not all your clothes from several years ago have the same weight. Not every piece that you're keeping is worth saving. So are there within the categories of these shirts, pants, shoes, purses, jewelry that are worth keeping. And Kayleen had said, like, you don't start with the things that are the hardest, like start with the things that are the easiest, because I think that there is, I'm sure your daughter could go through this and be like, this is a t-shirt from like several years ago. One, she's older. So now her clothes probably have changed in terms of sizing. So like, does she need this? Does she know someone that will appreciate this and make a different pile. And there are so many organizations that are local to you. I also have um, reached out to people I know, specifically in my network of people and said, you know, I have baby items that I do not need anymore. They were gently used. Is there somewhere where I can bring them? And I, I think you just have to really separate and categorize because right now, what you're saying is also this all or nothing piece. And that everything has the same priority, which it doesn't. So how can we categorize and separate the things that have the highest quality and priority for her versus you and find somewhere in the middle? I hope that was helpful. I'm like thinking about it. No, it it was very helpful. And I think um, I no longer reach out to people. I tried that. I tried Facebook Marketplace, especially with baby stuff. uh, And it was so annoying. <laughs> yeah. I Look, I'm not saying like you need to go sell everything. You know, that's actually the thing that my husband says to me all the time. He's like, is this worth selling? I'm like, for the $3 I'm going to get for this item, it is not worth that effort. But I also feel like there are, you know, local in the community that might not put their hand up and say like, I need this, but they might reach out to your local community centers, whatever that might be. And they know people that could use these items or they could use it in their facilities. Like I have found that I have donated items to local shelters and things that I wouldn't have necessarily thought could use these items, but they were necessary. Like I have a high chair and don't ask me why, but we had like three different high chairs that I didn't need that many high chairs. I live in an apartment. So I was like, okay, like where can I go that I can give this to? And I found a woman's shelter who was like housing women and and children. And it was like, great. Like this felt good to be able to drop off and, and find a home for. So it takes more research, but again, you're not going to do that for every single item in your closet. You're going to do that for the things that you realize have the highest priority. Yeah, no, you're right. It's true. 
I'm very grateful that I tend to put things out at the end of my driveway and they mysteriously disappear. (laughs) My mom has found some really great baby items in in their neighborhood too. She's like, wow, I found a wagon. Like, that's great. Like, yes, people, people love to do that kind of stuff. Right. I am not shy Uh, to that stuff too. Well, but what you were talking about in terms of prioritization and it reminded me of that question that Marie Kondo always would ask, like, does this bring you joy? And I always found this really difficult. And I know that a lot of people did really found that question difficult because like, if I hold it up an old t-shirt from a thing I volunteered for 10 years ago that I've been holding on to the t-shirt because it reminds me of that thing, it does bring me joy, right? That memory brings me joy. So I don't want to get rid of it. But then again, it comes back to that idea of like, well, but has the holding on to it become more of like an albatross uh, than keeping it? But I feel like it is, it's a really complex, I just want to acknowledge that it's very complicated to those questions of like, is this serve you? Does this, because it's not just the item. It's, it's all of the memories attached to it. Yeah. Like I, I kept items like the dress that I wore to my bridal shower. Does that fit me? No. Am I going to wear it again? Absolutely not. But I'm still going to hold on to it because it had sentimental value to me. And I and I think that there's something to that. I know like my husband has a ton of like college sports t-shirts. You can turn them into blankets if that makes sense for you. I know people who turn them into stuffed animals. There's like so many different companies. Of course, probably people who have ADHD who are like, I need something creative to do. Or like making businesses out of all of this stuff. So that is also something that you can turn into something different if it helps feel better than just sitting in your drawer. Now I just made somebody go down a rabbit hole of this. I guarantee it. (laughs) Sorry in advance. We're actually sorry post of that. Right. Uh, No, it's, it's true. But I think for me, the big thing is don't do this alone because it's so helpful to have somebody who doesn't judge you, who can go through this stuff with you and get those first steps out of the way. And stop judging yourself for having it. That would be the other thing I would add. Absolutely. So don't do it alone is a perfect segue for talking about our body doubling sessions in the ADHD lounge. And a, f- a lot, I'm always amazed at how, p- how many people still haven't heard of body doubling. <laughs> But it's central. I, I find it's central to my life now in terms of how I approach work, which is not only the doing it with other people and having that accountability sense, but like I said earlier, that way that I can park tasks in a, a time and space where I know it's like, I don't have to worry about that email I'm not writing and I'm avoiding because that email has a time and a place and it's Friday at 9am or whenever we're doing the body doubling sessions. It's also just... Everybody's focused on their own things and they're usually the tasks that they've been avoiding the most. And I think that having someone hold you accountable to do the thing that you've been avoiding the most is so helpful. So definitely worth it. And celebrating with you when you do get it, right? I love the fact that we, at the end of that hour, can celebrate all the things we did get done. Yeah, I started doing a happy dance. I even made myself something to eat all all in the hour span. I was like, this is such a win. So I love that we do it. We do it three times a week. So it's definitely worth checking out. And, and we even have some people in the lounge who are finding their own times to body double together um, based on their work hours. So it's not just the three times a week that we host it together, but also people are finding partners to body double with for 
different times for different things. Yeah. Yeah. I love that our, the community has like, a, it's basically a virtual meeting room that you can go into like a, like a conference room <laughs> uh, and it's open all the time. So you can go in there alone. Some I've been in there alone many times just to do work, right? It's like, it gets me into deep focus mode in a way. I don't know what it is, but it gets me into a deep focus mode. Cause you feel like somebody's watching you. Nobody's watching you, like actually <laughs> watching you, but like, it probably feels like that. Um, so I think this would be a fun way to end our show. We've been trying this new thing where we say, is it just me or so I already told Katie before what I wanted to say. Is it just me? I know you were ruminating so many different things. So I, if you don't mind, I'm going to go first. So I'm going to say, is it just me or do you feel like rules do not apply to you? Because sometimes people say things to me that I'm like, yeah, there's absolutely no way I'm doing this. So I wanted to get Invisalign again for like the last 25 years. Well, the first time I did it, I finally did it. I'm now using it. And they told me that in order to like keep the aligners as clean and sparkly as possible, besides like taking them out and washing them. And you know, when you brush your teeth and everything, they're like, don't drink coffee while wearing them. And I was like, but you want me to wear them. (laughs) So (laughs) I drink coffee all day. That does not work. I'm not going to take them out each time. And some people are like, well, you could get cavities. I'm like, I'm literally washing them twice a day the same way I brush my teeth. So no, rule does not apply. Not ADHD friendly. I was, I like jokingly said that to the woman. She's like, you could try it for a week and see how it goes. They only last a week. Whatever. Does not apply to me. Anyone else feel that way? Because I know I'm not alone. Um, that's funny. Yeah. That happened to me with my hearing aid. When I got my hearing aid earlier this year, they were like, wear your hearing aid all the time. And I was like, but I, I can't wear my hearing aid when I have, uh, headphones, uh, AirPods or noise canceling earbuds. And I was like, that's all the time. (laughs) Like I never wear it because I'm always using one of those three things. And so I'm like, all right. And then I forget it exists and then I'll go days without it. And I'm like, I spent so much money for this hearing aid and I always forget to wear it because I'm like, there's so few times where it feels appropriate. Yeah, I I like weighed out the risks, the reward. I'm like, you know what? I'd rather wear the aligners than take them out for coffee every single time because as I go sip my cup of coffee. Sorry. So for mine, is it just, gosh, there's so many, but you know what? Something came up for me when we were talking as I thought it would, which was, is it, so one of the things I feel like I've talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, I don't remember if I talked about it this with Kayleen. So I apologize if I'm repeating myself, but like I get, I can't just like clean one spot. I have to do the whole space. And this happened to me recently with my car, which was my daughter had spilled some like sticky iced tea. Did I tell you this story before? Oh, yes, we did talk about this. Yeah. Did we talk about this? All right, never mind then. Um, But this idea that like, I can't just do something small, like I have to be like, I, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to get like, hijacked by momentum in a way that sometimes is positive, but not always. Uh, where I'm like, Oh, here we go. Like now I know what the rest of my day is going to look like. I'm going to have to sort through this stuff or I'm going to have to clean this all out. Yeah. Now it's coming back to me. You started like unloading your car. Basically it was like all the rugs. Yeah. I had to do everything. Like I, it was like one section of my 
dashboard that was dusty. And then it was like, I can't just have a little clean spot on my dashboard. I'm going to have to clean the whole thing. And then I had to clean the console and the the steering wheel. And then I had to clean the seats and then I had to do it all. And I was like, very, I felt totally hijacked by my own compulsion. Like I had no control. I've definitely been there. Definitely been there. I know I, people are probably going to laugh when they hear you say that. Cause they're like, yeah, obviously. But I would also say at least the car is somewhat contained. Yeah. Right. I love cleaning my car. It's so right. It's so cathartic and regulating. I like it. Well, because it's small and it's compact and it's manageable because it's it's not wide it's not one item obviously you were talking about all the different aspects of it but it's like one car is not one whole house yeah it's true and yeah it's sort of like i was saying with my office like i keep my office very very clean but i also am like my kids aren't allowed in it my dog well my dog's allowed you know, I'm like, you can't live in this space. It's basically untouchable. It's like an Ikea, like nobody's allowed to sit on my couch. because <laughs> That's how I keep it tidy. And you obviously can't do that with kids. No, but it's also making me laugh because you're seeing my bedroom. I normally have a virtual background, so you can't see my bed, but I'm like, not made. And the drawer is open randomly and I don't know why. So yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work for me. <laughs> anyway. <sighs> Do you want to talk about what who we're having on next? Because I think that's going to be super exciting. Mm, oh, I am so excited for this. So we are talking to Jesse J. Anderson, who is a huge influencer on Twitter and Instagram, and also a newly minted author of the amazing book, Extra Focus. It's called Extra Focus, The Quick Start Guide to Adult ADHD. Such a great book to have in your library. Amazing primer for anybody who is diagnosed. He's so wonderful and funny, and I can't wait to talk to him. What have we done? We're decided where we're going to talk about success amnesia. And what that means is really the fact that we have a tendency to focus on the negative all the time, (laughs) and we have a tendency to discount things we are good at, because it's simply more interesting for us not to and how that affects our sense of self worth and our relationship with ourselves. I think it'll be really interesting. Yeah, I'm so excited when you said he was going to come on. He was I think he was one of the first like, Instagram ADHD people that I followed. And I just found his content to be so relatable. And I just felt like I knew him. So I'm, I'm very excited to have this conversation. So Hopefully I don't sound like a fangirl when we talked to him. He is so relatable. He, I met him at the ADHD conference last year and he's so great. And he was top of my list when we talked about where I was like, oh, wait a minute. I don't have to just interview yeah, women. Right, right. <laughs> I can interview men. And the list the list was sadly very short about, about men I wanted to, to interview. But Jesse J. Anderson is at the top of that list because um, he's so he's just fantastic. So very excited for that episode. Yes. And if you want to participate in our conversation with him live, you can actually join the ADHD lounge and sit in our roundtable and ask your own questions to Jesse while we talk to him. And we will post all of that information on our Instagram. And if you check out our email list, then you can find out when that is and you can join us in the lounge. Absolutely. Right. ADHD. So it's the ADHD lounge.com. Come join us and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. And that's a wrap for this episode of the ADHD Lounge Podcast. 
Thank you for listening and make sure to join us over at ADHDlounge.com. We've got resources, co-working, workshops, and a community of amazing ADHD folks just like yourself. And you can also attend these recordings live where you can ask questions and join in these discussions as they're happening. So make sure to head over to the ADHDlounge.com to join us today and you can find that link in the show notes. And if you've made it this far and you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Your feedback means the world to us and it helps us reach more listeners who could benefit from these conversations. Seriously, do it. Go now before you forget.